Welcome back, beautiful people. I just wanted to check in about my grief. And I know it's gonna take some time for me to integrate the loss of my grandfather. He's such an important role in my life and such a huge presence, even from the start and the beginning of my existence in this life. And even all of my grandparents, like I am so privileged to have four grandparents in my life from the start of my life and to have that impact on me as I change and grow and evolve and to have that lineage as a part of who I am. And so, yeah, I feel blessed in that sense to be exposed to history and even just to see my parents now stepping into that role and really showing up for my niece, their granddaughter, such a beautiful piece. And right now grief is showing me where I am Grief is showing me how I am separating myself from my true nature and where I'm failing to embrace all of who I am and the completeness of what is available to me each and every moment. Loss of a loved one shows me places in myself that have been filled by that person and that is newly exposed again. And the wisdom of my grief is that my heart is much bigger than me. The love is huge and it hurts so much. And my heart is so much bigger and so connected to others. It feels for others, it bleeds with others and I just know that I'm not alone because my grief connects me to nature and the cycles of death and rebirth and life and just how different seasons go through phases and changes. And to be honest, I wish we took some time to adequately grieve in this culture. I think about how nature takes the season off, right? To die and to go inward and to hibernate and to get really cold and stormy and windy, right? And then next season, we come into bloom and into new life, life never imagined, right? Like so much of how we go inward, right? And how we forget what it's like to cultivate and create. Maybe it's because we're expected to get back to normal so quickly or to move on or to, you know, go on, right? And sometimes life moves on faster than we're ready to because grief does not have a schedule. There's days where I want to stare off into space and then there's days where I want to cry and just be in my feelings and just lay down because it's hard to track time in this reality when you're grieving, when your heart is heavy. Today, I feel like moving slower and that's okay. And I wanna give myself permission to do that because my environment's always taught me to overachieve and to continue to push through. And I wanna create balance. And I know that I get to be the change and I get to be someone that says, let me do something different. I also want to speak to just how this might relate to how parents have expectations for their kids 
and how having expectations might certainly be the root of disappointment, devastation, right? Rejection. And when we, when we expect our children to show up and appear in a certain way, it says a lot more about ourselves than it does our kids. And when we expect our kids to behave in a certain way, what that does is puts on a lot of pressure and it puts on a lot of stress and it puts on a lot of that expectation energy that what if we could say, whoa, what if it's okay that they show up in this different way? What if it requires me to feel awkward, different, What if it requires me to feel? What if it brings awareness to the fact that I'm on autopilot, right? Because our kids can teach us so much about unconditional love and unconditional acceptance and unconditional positive regard for ourselves if we have the willingness to look for that. And if we can really see how they're here to teach us So why is it so important to help our children process their emotions? Well, first of all, when it, when it comes a time in their lives to grieve and when they're hit with loss and they're experiencing a, a heavy heart in this world, how is it that you want them to cope and to handle and to deal with and to process and to grow from their experiences? I think that is why we need to encourage our children to process their emotions. Now here's the caveat. If it's important for us to help our children process their emotions, wouldn't you think it'd be important for us to tend to the inner children that are at each stage of development that live within us first? Because we get to model what it's like to have the unconditional acceptance for who we are. And we get to be the revolutionary pioneers that make a change that do something different, right? Helping yourself to help your children to process emotions propels the confidence for intentional life responses and connection to self and that unconditional acceptance of self. Because there may be moments from your own childhood that you remember where perhaps a caregiver or a parent failed to acknowledge your unprocessed emotions as a result of them failing to acknowledge their own unprocessed emotions, right? But if it was never mentioned due to the fond response of, I don't know, playing nice, maybe it was too dangerous or threatening to say how you really felt. Maybe there wasn't space for it. So to check in with these emotions for ourselves can definitely be a setback, can definitely bring up and stir up the past. But I will say that uncovering and repairing these situations is an important step to maintaining a close relationship with your children, with yourself especially, and with the loved ones that you care for. Because think about it, thoughts and feelings come and go and sometimes seemingly at random. 
Sometimes they flash back to painful memories of the past and other times people feel good about their experiences. So if emotions are associated with memories, then the feelings are connected to a structure in the brain that communicates the emotion of the memory, which can either teach us or keep us stuck. For example, feeling unprocessed hurtful emotions like grief or embarrassment in front of others, for example, can cause us to ruminate on how we're feeling vulnerable in the eyes of others. And then, of course, more rumination gets in the way of processing the, the event, and we start to spiral into thoughts and feelings of maybe why others didn't agree with us or why others didn't stick up for us or whatever the situation may be, right, without even considering that they might have thick layers of patterning and conditioning in front of themselves. So when multiple highly painful experiences start to line up, the brain starts to formulate and create relationship between them all and work to build on negative beliefs. This is why the brain orients to the negative because we're trying to survive. And painful memories don't have to grow and cause so much tension when we know that this is why and how the brain orients. We can actually outsmart ourselves and we can outsmart the brain. They can actually open and release when processing with another person that you feel safe enough to do so with. And I have to say, even practicing emotions for a period of time, it still might feel awkward. It still might feel like, you know, crazy making because let's face it, we have been brainwashed into believing that we need external remedies and reliefs to handle our own grief rather than to learn that we can actually handle grief in a community. And I think the biggest lesson for sharing grief in community is that when we share our grief that feels too heavy for one heart to hold because of how big the love is, right? When we share our grief in community, our grief becomes a gift for someone else to witness us in our experience. And while we've been taught that maybe, you know, like sharing our grief with others is a burden, it's actually such a huge teacher. And what I've experienced with being a participant in receiving the gift of someone else sharing their grief, it is such a big heart opener and so counterintuitive and so against what we've been brainwashed to believe that we're a burden, right? Like that feels so sad and so disconnecting that we like wholeheartedly believe that we're a burden to others. That is how we isolate and stay disconnected and stay stuck, which is such a tragedy. So sharing the experience and feelings with a safe and peaceful environment is crucial because if my core negative belief is that I'm not good enough as I am, as sad as I am, right? then my negative thoughts will definitely relate to that belief. And perhaps I may have coping behaviors 
that come in during stress to cope and to numb and to deal with feeling terrible about myself, right? But self-destructive behaviors can dramatically reduce our long-term well-being, which is why it's so important to be able to find people that can tolerate you in any unconditional way, right? And this may be hard to believe that people are willing to be there for you in the hardest, craziest, wildest times. But I promise you, there are people out there who do. And I want to touch on the fact that in order to have unconditional acceptance, you get to accept things. You get to accept self and you get to especially accept your children as they are such a huge lesson right because when our children share something that sounds exaggerated or out of this world for a lack of better term right regardless of if it's made up what's real and what gets to be so real is the feeling underneath the story Believe and trust that they get to share that with you. So I want to remind you, from the root comes the need. And what covers the need is the feeling. And what covers the feeling is the behavior. And then what lays on the surface is the story. So as you might notice, the story is kind of irrelevant, the story might not be grounded in truth or reality, and that's okay. Appreciate that your child is creative and intelligent and decides to deliver a story in the way they decide to, right? It's amazing that they feel safe enough to share the story because you get to see the story as the cover for what's underneath, right? You get to see the story, the behavior, the feeling, the need, and you get to sense it as well. And when you're set up to feel whatever the story is offering, right? When you are set up to feel things like loneliness, being left out, sadness, loss, having to grow up, right? Transitions, right? Whatever feels true, this is where you as a parent get to lean in and learn because as soon as you understand the setup, you have to look no further. And it's important to remember that adding shame is not helpful. If a child shares their story with me, I don't care what it says. I'm acknowledging it as truth because remember their truth is truth, right? Your reality is your perception. Your truth is real. And the moment that I try to make truth about being right or having the right answer, that is where the shame sneaks in and it is not helpful. So remember, your perceptions are real and in order to acknowledge the feelings and everything that come underneath, we must adopt their story as truth because to them, it is. It's, it couldn't be more true. And the last thing they need us to do is to tell them 
that they might be making something up, right? Because, okay, whatever, let's say they are making it up. Well, guess what? They're not making up how they feel underneath. That is true. So how can we validate, right? The tricky part is to meet them where they are. Are they in the story? Amazing. Are they using imaginative play? Sweet. Meet them there. You know, where are their eyes? Are they fidgeting? Is their body communicating? Great. Bring a voice to what you notice and what you observe and how you feel witnessing them in their experience. And yes, if it's not grounded in reality or truth, amazing, right? But just know that because the feelings are true and because they trust you to handle whatever they're sharing, right? That is what they want you to lean into, right? You get to say, wow, that sounds really disappointing. Wow, that sounds really sad. Oh my gosh, that sounds so overwhelming. Where are you? Where am I? You know, how can you validate so they can learn to eventually validate for themselves? And I know too that parents have goals for their children to turn out okay and show up in honesty and in their integrity, right? But in order for them to show up in honesty and in their integrity, you must show up in honesty and in your integrity, right? And remember, it's not about being right. It's not about being factual, especially in the developmental stage that your child is going through. Those are not realistic expectations anyway, right? So I want to help you reframe and shift your perception on how they actually are offering up their truth. And perhaps they're serving it up on a silver platter and they're setting you up to feel and you're already in it, right? It's just orienting to the awareness that you actually are in touch with how they feel. It's just a little bit of a roundabout way for you to detect what they're really truly sharing and to bring a voice to it to really relay that it's safe enough to go there because I want to tie it back to grief, right? The grief is what we're so afraid of. We're so afraid of the grief that's wrapped up in so much love that we hold. An amazing place to start would be to ask yourself, what is your own personal relationship to feeling feelings of this particular setup? So perhaps feelings like feeling left out, right? Because I can tell that you have awareness of these aspects because of how you might not be feeling aligned with you know, your child's sharing something that feels uncomfortable, right? Well, guess what? That's what you want to change, right? You want to change your child's discomfort. But the only way we get to change what's currently occurring is leaning into it, right? That's the magic. This is where the connection gets to be right now, exactly 
you know, where they're presenting and showing up. Because remember, even if it's not eventually where we're headed, it's the best feeling because it brings up the discomfort in order for it to come up and out. And that's where we get to practice. That's where we get to expand our tolerance for these places that aren't our favorites. That's where we get to befriend these uncomfortable places in order to model unconditional acceptance, right? Again, when we have these expectations for our kids to show up in certain ways, then we might be crossing, you know, their own internal intuition of how they feel, their path, you know, leads them, right? What we want to be teaching them is to trust their own internal compass and to trust their own internal dialogue and to trust their voice. And how do you think we're going to encourage them to do those things? Certainly not by shaming, certainly not by shutting down their truth because it's not aligned with ours, right? So remember, when our kids tell us a story, even though the story is on the surface, right? You get to assume that the story represents what's underneath as you stay open and curious about it. And remember why it's so important to help our children process their emotions. Because when we get to handle the little things today, they prepare us for a much bigger tomorrow. And I know you have the courage and the willingness and the strength to model what this feels and looks like. And I'm here for you every single step of the way. And I want you to know you are not alone. And I want you to know that grief in particular is such a teacher to remind me and to remind everyone that we are all connected and that we are all so much bigger than ourselves. And another thing is I think what we have the power to create, we underestimate. We underestimate our personal power and we underestimate our influence and our impact on others. And so I want to encourage you to nurture that piece of you and to really go inward and to just get curious about this part of self and to stay open because the dark, that darkness, that is where the light gets to come in, right? So keep me posted on your grief. Keep me posted on your unconditional love and keep me posted on your unconditional acceptance. And I will be here for you. And hopefully you'll be there for me to lean on too. And I will see you very soon. Take good care, everyone. Bye.